that I said that last week and then we took an extraordinary long time to do our testimonies. I promise it will not be that long this time. So this week we're going to be singing a song starting that uh, the chorus of it goes, I owe it all, all to Jesus, every part of me lying at his feet. And it goes on and on. It talks about this concept of owing. And for some reason, every time I lead a song, I like something else stick out, sticks out to me. And that one was like ringing a chord in me. And I couldn't tell if it was a good one or a bad one. So I sat with it for a while. And I eventually came to the realization that uh, owing is a concept that in the modern world, and especially us as Americans, really do not like. We live our entire adult lives to stop owing people. We owe cars, we owe for housing, we owe for student loans, we owe for credit cards and anything and everything else. And our lives teach us that owing to owe someone is bad. It is wrong and we live to get out of it. But as usual, the kingdom of God defies pretty much anything and everything the world could ever be teaching us. And so I was asking God to help me make peace with the concept of owing him, what that looks like, what it meant to owe someone who was good and also someone who I could never repay. And uh, this week I was actually reading through every, at the start of every year, I basically restart the Bible and start from the beginning. Um, and I was reading through Genesis in one of the stories with Abraham. Um, and it's actually where his wife dies. He goes to find in a land that God has given him. So he really could have taken anything. He goes to find a special burial place that he can buy for her. He finds this beautiful place at the end of a field, neither of which he owns. And he goes, and he goes to the man that owns it and asks to buy it from him. And the man is like, what are you doing? Like, your wife is dead. Please just take this place and bury her. Do you not know who you are? And Abraham, being Abraham, is like, no, 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 let me pay for it. And, he's, and the man says, okay, not only am I going to give you the burial place for free, I'm also going to give you the field so that you can honor her here. And Abraham, again, is like, please let me give you these all of the silver, these four, I can't remember if it's 400 or 4,000, uh, 400 pieces of silver uh, to pay for it. And the man laughs and says, what is a little money between us? And I can't tell you how many times I probably could have counted uh, how much money or etc. rewards I've asked for from God in exchange for something I am doing for him. But this man remembered who Abraham was, knew who Abraham would be to him, and remembered all that Abraham had done and instead found joy in owing him. And it wasn't like he used this to get out of owing Abraham, like he would still owe Abraham for the rest of his life. And instead of letting that begrudge him, he let it elicit joy from him and bring a beautiful moment of love to someone who had loved on him and treated him well. And I wonder how many times I have wanted the silver instead of, one, instead of wanting my savior. And today, as we are singing songs that I unintentionally tied together about it only being about Jesus and being willing to owe him, I think there's some, probably some work we all have to do inside to undo what the world has taught us about being, owing, uh, being in debt to God, being indebted to someone who would never misuse that debt and would continue to treat us well even when we still can't pay it all back. We have a choice today, and I'll leave us with this before we sing. There are two men in the Bible who are offered silver in exchange for things. We had the man who Abraham tried to pay for the land and the burial of his wife, who refused and said, money means nothing to me. 
And then we have Judas, who buried his savior for 30 pieces of silver. I don't want to be a Jesus, oh, Judas. I want to be like that man who gave Abraham everything. So let's dwell on that today as we worship God. Their 
still lives a blessed hope. Our salvation's in one name, one name. He will one day come again to the praises of all men. Hallelujah to one name, one name. That name is Jesus. 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 will one day see every lost made victory there is healing in one name one name one name he has silenced every foe every high thing brought down low there is freedom in one name one name is precious name, and soon everyone will know there still lives a blessed hope. Our salvation's in one name, one name. He's coming, he will one day come again. To the praises of all men, hallelujah to one name, one name. We bless you, Jesus. We honor Jesus. We serve thee, Jesus. We love Jesus. will one day see every lost made victory there is there is healing that you need there's a healing that you see in the hope of his coming silence every foe every high thing every mountain every obstacle that we see in our day you brought down and soon everyone will know there still lives a blessing. Sing that again. And soon everyone will know there still lives a blessing. And soon, and soon everyone will know. There still lives a blessed hope, our salvation. 
a breath, a moment for us all to commune with God for a moment, just you and I, He and you, He and us, to do some work inside of us so that we can sing this song in spirit and in truth. Jesus, 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 hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, Lord God. Here we are. All that we are, all that we have, all that we ever will be, we give to you. No matter what the cost, Lord God, we lay down our hearts before you. To Jesus, we say yes. Over sickness, to Jesus, we say yes. Over depression, Jesus, we say yes. Over addiction. Jesus, we say yes. Over our past, Jesus, we say yes. Over condemnation, Jesus, we say yes. Over uh, over brokenness, Jesus, we say yes. Over lack, Jesus, we say yes. Yes, you are the King of kings. Yes, you are the Lord of lords. Yes, you are worthy of our praise. No matter our circumstance, no matter our situation, Jesus, we say yes, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. Everything inside of us should be crying out, Yes, Daddy, yes, you're worthy. Yes, you're incredible. Yes, you're amazing. You're marvelous in all your ways. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised in the city of our God, on the mountain of His holiness. You're worthy, God. Regardless of our feelings, God, you're worthy. You were worthy long before we started praising you this morning. You are worthy long before you gave us breath. Long before you knitted us together in our mama's belly. Daddy, you were worthy of praise and you will always be. So today we choose you. We don't choose our circumstance. We don't choose our situation. We don't choose our feelings. We don't choose our soul. We choose Jesus this morning. So soul, I'm saying yes to Jesus. 
Come on, church. Just tell your soul for a moment. Say, soul, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Ears, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Heart, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Body, I'm saying wake up. Yes to Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Daddy, we don't want any rocks crying out in our place today. We're going to praise you anyway. Jesus, you're worthy. The cross makes you worthy. The tomb makes you worthy. Who you are makes you worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Yes, 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 yes. Church, there's something powerful in what we're praying. Yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. No to self. Yes to Jesus. No to feelings. Yes to truth. Yes to Jesus. Fathers, we pray it. We pray it now. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Over every circumstance in this room. Ones that the enemy's trying to lie and tell us are impossible. There are impossible healings that are going to take place in this room. There are impossible breakthroughs that are going to take place in the people's lives in this room. There's impossible sense of peace that's going to descend on people today. That you have not felt peace in so long. The chaos inside of you swirls like a whirlwind. Like a tornado, it, it sucks up every bit of joy and every bit of hope and every bit of comfort and every bit of rest you've got. But in the name of Jesus, we speak to that storm and we tell that storm to cease and desist in the name of Jesus. We say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We say yes to peace in your life. It is not our power but yours. Our faith but your goodness. Your kingdom your will in the name of Jesus Christ we say yes and together we say so be it amen and amen come on let's just give God some glory let's give Jesus a shout of praise yes Lord God we love you for freedom we love you for who you are you're worthy today yes Jesus yes yes oh yes what a great thing you started out saying today yes can I tell you when you woke up this morning, your soul said no. There, there's something inside of us, the Bible says, Paul tells us, that there's part of us that is always saying no to God. No, I don't want it your way, I want it my way. Come on somebody, Burger King, y'all rule. No, no I don't. So there's already a part of us that wants to say no. But that's why the Bible says, bless the Lord on my soul. David says, you gotta speak to your soul sometimes. We got to tell it yes. Jesus is the yes and amen. I don't know about you, but I need to say yes to Jesus. I didn't just say yes to coming to church this morning. Hey, that's a great start. But since you're in church, let's say yes to Jesus. Say, God, I don't want to leave the same way I came in. I don't want a church experience. I want a God encounter today. I'm saying yes to you today. So thank you for coming this morning on this Sunday, snowy Sunday. Hey, um, I know that's bad. That's you too. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry it was not Frank. I'm sorry it was not. Could have. Hey, but truly, thank you. Thank you for shoveling out and getting out and coming out 
and for bringing more than your body today and you bringing your praise. It matters. And look, if you're a guest today, uh, is this your first or second time? We want to say thank you for coming to Connect. Thank you for being here. It's great to have you as part of this community of faith today. And we want to really encourage you. Look, if, if, if this is your first or second time, hey, check out. We have a, a QR code that's going to be up there on the screen. The QR codes are all over the place. Check out, uh, check out what church is about. Let us know your story. Don't just find out about church. Let us find out about you as well because you matter. Church isn't about a Sunday morning moment. It's about learning how to live life well together, and that's what we want to do here as well. Can we all give a shout-out to everybody who's online today? Guys, we love you. We know some of you are still snowed in, dealing with uh, all the issues that came with the storm. I want to give out a shout-out to my beautiful wife, Danielle, who is uh, under the weather today. Baby, we love you. We know there's so many also who are in the hospital this morning. Uh, some are suffering with COVID. We're praying for you. We are Come on, church. We're standing in faith. That the same God that's in this room is in your room with you today. The same miracles that are here are with you as well. That is the word of God. We believe that. Well, I, we love our generations. We love, uh, we love you uh, if you are a parent, if you are raising a child uh, that is yours, it is not, it, that is, uh, that, that uh, you, you spiritually you're raising kids, physically you're raising kids. Thank you for that. Kiddos, can you uh, follow the sign on out with Vito? Give them a hand, church, as they're going. It's great. Thank you so much, kiddos, for being here. Hey, and give somebody next to you a high five, a fist pump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Tell them it's good to see them this morning at Connect. Hey, church, let me give you two quick things really quick because I, I can't wait to hop into the Word this morning, but I want to make sure there's things that are important in the life. We talk about church being a community of faith. This isn't just a, a meeting time, and I know that's hard because I grew up in church, and uh, so much of northern church life is uh, about kind of showing up at church, that church life happens at church, and then there's life everywhere else. Um, when I lived in the south, it was a little different, but in the north, that seems to be the way I grew up. Um, and so when we talk about a community of faith, we're not just talking about times that we're here. We're talking about learning uh, and living life with each other here and out there as well. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the things that we always love to do here at church is we have a ministry called Thy Kingdom Crumb. It's our mobile food truck ministry that goes all over and gives away free food. And um, I, I'm so, I love it. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite things that we get a chance to do. And um, we want to recognize uh, one of our people on our team there is uh, Kara Scott. And today is Kara's birthday. Uh, and I know Kara is away for the birthday, but we just want to recognize you, Kara. We love you. We're so thankful for who you are. She and her husband, Jamie, have three wonderful kids. They are incredible people. They love God. If you don't know them, get to know them. Take them out for a meal. Bring a, you know, just get, to, there's amazing stories that are sitting next to you that can encourage you. There are amazing stories sitting next to you that can encourage you. Uh, but we only do that when we get to know each other. Well, one last little thing I want to encourage you to do, and I know this is, sounds strange, but it's really, really important, especially this time of year, is uh, up on the screen we're going to have our social media handles, and we are not looking for more followers. Uh, we are inviting you to connect with us because, um, especially in this winter time, sometimes the one way to know what's happening and what's not happening is 
on social media. The last thing we will want anyone to ever do is to t- you know, roll up to church when church isn't happening or miss out on church. Come on, somebody, because you didn't think it was happening. Um, and so they're, they're up there. Stay connected. Stay engaged. Um, stay informed on, on what's out there. Can I ask you to do one last thing? By the way, it's not just information about what's happening at church. So often it's encouragement from the Word of God. And uh, I want to, especially if this is your church and this is your family, can I just really encourage us to do one last thing with it? Don't just push the like button. Actually engage with it. And the reason why to engage with it is because you might just have a comment that encourages somebody to take one more step in their faith that day. Just you, it's not always enough for the pastors to, to quote something or a Bible verse to be up there. Sometimes it, we need to see it working in people's lives around us. And so those things actually matter. Um, so that's that. Please stay connected. Um, all right, are you ready for the word this morning? Nope, nope, nope. Are you ready for the word this morning? <laughs> All right, there we go. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, hey, why don't you, since you brought your Bibles, why don't you open with me to, uh, to um, the book of John, John chapter 18. John is the first book, uh, first book, is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's written by John, who's in a, a, a disciple of Jesus from the very beginning. He's there, um, and so we, he's seen this. He's the firsthand witness to this. We're in a series called, uh, That's the Question. Um, and it's wrestling with some of the questions of Jesus that he gets asked. And so today, if you need a title in this series, is, is that true? Is that true? I can't tell you how many times a week I think that thought. Is that true? How many times I get asked that question? Is that true? Right? Because in this world of kind of sensationalized sound bites and agenda-driven news reports and social media-created rumors and AI voiceovers, that's scary, by the way. Right? But, right? It's scary. Uh, 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 video clips that are taken out of context, emotion-driven opinions, right? Experience-based truth and a generation that is drowning in information overload. It is hard sometimes to determine is that true that doesn't just happen the issue is that doesn't just happen in the world it actually happens in our spiritual life as well doesn't it not only does our spirit man and our spirit woman have to navigate the tidal wave of facts and lies and information and misinformation that the world puts out but then the church adds to the maelstrom too we do because we cherry pick verses that we talked about last week that, that, like, that, that taken out of context and our soul applauds because it makes it all about us. And that's awesome. Yes. Go with those verses. Yay. Right. And, or, or, or we take verses out of context and we've oppressed people, isolated people. In the name of church growth, I don't know about you, but many times I've been made to feel like if I'm not serving at church and being at church and doing at church 24 hours a day, I'm not a real Christian. But then on the other hand, we so often now mishandle the truth in an attempt to be culturally relevant and to make sure we're accepted in our generation, we abandon biblical truth. We have to recognize in our life Especially in today's day and age, we are standing in a battle for truth. And in these 
In the text that we're going to look at uh, today, in just a few verses, a few chapters before the text we're going to look at, Jesus says this in John 8, verse 32. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Love that verse. But that that word to know, actually, it means experientially, not intellectually. It's not knowing it, it's actually experiencing it. If you continue to experience living out truth, there's freedom that's attached to it. That is why this question looms so large in this text. Jesus is going to be asked this question, what is truth? And the answer to his question did not set him free in the natural. But its answer set free the entire cosmos that had been under the oppression of sin, death, and hell since the fall. The problem is not that we ask the question, what is truth? The challenge is, where do we go to find the answer to that question? In a world of information overload, where do you and I go to find the question of what is truth? In John chapter 18, verse 38, the Bible says when Jesus was uh, in front of Pilate before he went to the cross, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And then he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. He's telling the truth. But you have a custom, you've got a tradition here that I should release someone to you at Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried out saying, not that man, Barabbas. Because Barabbas was a revolutionary. Now, now, here's the mistake. The, the crowd thought that their answer would give them the freedom that they needed. That if they released the rebel, that he would overthrow the man. But the truth is, and this is what we have to grab a hold of in its entirety, is the consensus of the crowd tends to release the wrong person from the prison of opinion. And keeps us under, under the oppression of the culture that questioned the truth in the first place. They were hoping they'd be released from the Romans, but the Romans were the ones who questioned them and kept oppressing them because we were following the wrong truth. When we follow the wrong truth, we can have hope for freedom, but it will always keep us under the oppression of the culture that caused us to question it in the first place. Now, before we even try to answer the deeper questions about truth, right, we have to, can I, can I really just help you understand there's three different types of truth just so that we can be clear in how we're communicating. The first type of truth is called common truth. That means it's common to everyone. No matter where you go, it's true, right? The sun rises in the east and sets in the west, right? No matter where you go, that is true. You need air to breathe, even if you go to the moon. It doesn't matter where you are, it is true. Two plus two is four. Even if you say dos a dos is cuatro, hey, that's all I got. Um, it, It doesn't matter how you say it, no matter where you go, it is truth. This is what the Bible calls knowledge. It's learned. It also can change with new discoveries, right? We once believed the earth was flat, but new discoveries prove that the earth is, the earth is round, people. No matter what the social media, earth is round, all right? Cool. We will talk about that in a moment. That is called knowledge. We all have knowledge. We all got it, right? Then there's revealed truth, and this is where it gets a little more murky in our life. Now, revealed truth is what the Bible calls understanding, 
Truth learned through observation or experience, right? We understand there's four seasons because we've observed them and we've experienced them. We understand that love covers over a multitude of sins because when you can forgive people, it actually brings healing. into It's observable. We might have experienced it, right? Ben Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail, that is revealed truth. He saw it, and it was revealed. That's why people like Socrates and Plato and Confucius saw truth, and they recorded it. And we can appreciate it, someone's revealed truth, without having to diminish it. Gandhi said, if we all practice an eye for an eye, the whole world will be blind. That's good stuff. That is revealed truth. But it's not necessarily the final authority on truth. See, gravity is a revealed truth. Every time I drop this object, it's what? Going to fall. Unless it is affected by a higher law. Do you realize that there are higher laws to laws? There are higher truths to truths. The higher law is thrust and aerodynamics, right? That the law of thrust and aerodynamics changes the law of gravity. Right? That, that's why planes fly and rockets can go up into space. There is a truth and a higher truth. There's a law and a higher law. It doesn't diminish gravity. It simply recognizes its position. See, that's why Romans 1.20 says that, uh, that we can see God and some of his qualities by looking at creation. We can't know all of God by looking at creation, but we can understand some of God by looking at creation because it is a revealed Truth, because there's a designer. I love what Einstein said. Einstein said the most uh, incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it's comprehensible. It's comprehensible because there's a design to it. There's an order to it. We may not see all of how God is holding it together, but we see the force, the power behind it. It's, we see this in the wind all the time. Has anyone ever seen the wind? No. No. You see the effects of the wind. You see the force behind it. No one thinks you're crazy when you're saying that's a windy day outside when furniture is like blowing down the street, right? They don't see the wind. Come on, somebody. They see the effects of the wind. Same way with the tide. I don't see the tide. I see the effect of the tide. Our understanding may come from our experience, but to know if it is truth, we must see it first through the higher law, the higher truth, which is the word of God. The word of God is the highest truth. It is, it, 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 he is omniscient and all-knowing and eternal. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. It is God-breathed. There is a higher law than gravity. That's why Proverbs 14.8 says this, the wisdom of the prudent is to try to discern the way, but the fool, the folly of fools is deceiving. They try, they try to figure out their life by looking at their life. So we have common truth and we have revealed truth, but then we have saving truth. And saving truth is what the word calls wisdom. It is the application of God's word into our daily life. Wisdom is the higher truth, the higher law. It comes from the logos, the word made flesh and walking among us. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my words are life, not suggestions, not good ideas, not opinions. My words are life. So wisdom, my friends, is the lens that helps us to identify the place and the power that revealed truth has in our lives. Like gravity, 
that revealed truth will always be there. It will always tell you you are that, feel that, be that, unless it comes under a higher power. The moment it comes under the higher truth, the higher law, Romans 12, 2 tells me that I am now no longer conforming to the world. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind, by the word of God, the ways of God, the will of God. There is a higher law that actually helps frame my revealed experiences so I can see them differently. See, this truth This is the truth, the type of truth that reveals who Jesus is and leads us to intimacy with him. It helps us to discover the misconceptions of our knowledge and as well as bring clarity to our understanding. It helps us to navigate our experiences, our feelings, our hurts, our abuse, our pain, all which is real. It's real, but they are not the final truths of our lives. I, need, I want to say that again because I think it's something that we all really need to wrestle with. What happened to you, how you feel, and what you've experienced is not the final authority over your life. It's real. You don't understand, Pat. No, no, I understand. It's real. It happened. I got it. But it's not the final word over your life. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to you and I but at the end of it leads to death. Can I simply suggest maybe that we consider that there's a difference between the the freedom to have your truth and the truth of your truth? There's a difference between the freedom for you and I to, to have our truth and it actually being the truth. As we said, for a long time, for generations, people believed that the world was flat. They live their lives that way. They, sailors wouldn't go to pass a certain distance because they feel like they fall off the end. They actually designed their life around what everybody believed to be true. But just because everybody believed it was truth didn't make it truth. Even when the church agreed with it. Do you know why the church agreed with the flat earth? Because the church was influenced by the world more than it was influenced by the word. That's what happens in our life so often. In the church, we are influenced much more by the world than we are by the word. That's why what you're going to see, why people ask, why are there so many scriptures all the time on the screens? That's why. Because it doesn't matter what Kyle says. It matters what the word says. If they would have went to the word, Isaiah 40, come on somebody, verse 22, says God sits on the circle of the earth. God, Isaiah Before we had rocket ships, he sits on the circle of the earth. Do you know what that Hebrew word for circle means? Circle. It really means a three-dimensional sphere. Like that? Yes. That's what the, we, yes. I don't believe the earth is round because I've seen a picture from the astronauts. I believe the word is round because God's word says it is. That's what people are like, you believe in dinosaurs? Yes. Do you know why I believe in dinosaurs? Not because I've been to the Natural History Museum. I believe in dinosaurs because it's in the Bible. Because Job 41 talks about the Leviathan, whose head's on one side of the river, his tail's on the other side of the river. Scientists are not freaked out that Christians believe in dinosaurs. They are freaked out that there are footprints of humanity in the same footprint as a dinosaur. 
That means that dinosaurs and humanity lived at the same time, which is what Job says. Don't let the truth mess you up. The Bible. That's why Jesus comes back to John 14 and says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and I'm the only way to get to the Father. He is the saving truth, and he is the higher law. The challenge, I think, in our modern world when it comes to truth is that the enemy always wants to lead the truth toward the crowd, but God wants to lead the truth to the cross. God wants to lead us to the cross by us having to wrestle with his truth. It is not pain-free. Come on, Pilate brings the truth to the crowd. He tries to connect it to tradition. This is why the way that we've always done it. Isn't that what the enemy always tries to do? And then the, the reality is this misinformation maze that you and I are forced to navigate in this world is not simply a political concept, a media creation, come on, a social media creation, or a right-wing, left-wing agenda. It is the scheme of the enemy for all of creation. The scheme of the enemy is confusing and questioning, confusing and questioning, confusing and questioning, confusing and questioning, confusing and questioning. That's what he constantly wants. So the truth is there's an act of spiritual force that enhances, encourages, and inspires generations to continue to question truth. It's been there from the beginning. This isn't anything new. Adam and Eve. What did he say to Eve? Did God really say? Is that really true? Do, do you know what blows my mind about that, if you actually look at the story? Genesis 3, verse 6. What does he try to get her to connect to? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you can experience good and evil, Eve, you'll be able to figure out life, what God means, what it means, and how to live in this garden. It's interesting in verse 6 there that the Bible actually says this in most translations. It says uh, that um, the, the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom. Do you know that that Hebrew word does not mean wisdom? It means understanding. Revealed truth. Eve, you can understand life if you will just experience good and evil in the world. That's how you'll understand. No, 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 no. She had wisdom already. Because wisdom was God's word. What the devil was trying to get her to do was question God's word to live in her own experience. He's still doing it today. That's why 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that there's a God of this age, this political system, this generational thinking, that blinds the minds of people, and we have been blinded before, to not understand the truth of God. Because if truth becomes relative, then saving truth becomes irrelevant. If all of our truth becomes relative, saving truth becomes irrelevant. That's exactly where he wants you. I think the issue is, especially in our modern church world, is that believers want truth to set us free without the pain of the cross. That's why we're often led to the, the voice of the crowd and to traditions, and this is the way it's always been, and this is the way I've always been taught, and this is just what everyone says is right. But disciples know the pain of the cross makes plain the power of the truth. 
It was the pain of the cross that Jesus went through that made plain the power of a resurrected life. You and I are meant for a resurrected life. We are meant to live in the resurrected authority of God, the power of God, the favor of God. But that comes through the cross, not through the crowd. Come on, Pilate believed Jesus and even recognized he was truthful, but he did not recognize his truth. Why? Because Pilate had a truth. His truth was greater than Jesus' truth. He came from a culture of prosperity that won lots of victories, right? That was better than everybody else. Everybody wanted to be like Rome. We are the light of the world. That's what they believed, right? So in the end of it, Jesus might be truthful, but Pilate's culture knew what was really true. Because look, after all, we've won so many things. Does that sound familiar at all? Nationalism influencing truth is nothing new. And even in the midst of it all, he didn't want to send Jesus to the cross. But his desire to keep the peace with the crowd overrode what he believed to be true. How many times that has affected my life? The need to keep peace with the crowd overrode what he knew to be true. Rubber meets the road. The reality is, my friends, this is such a trap. Deception and the part of it that makes it more difficult is that the deception is even harder to break free from when the crowd that we've been listening to has seemingly given us so many victories in the past. Pilate had been doing this uh, 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 Pilate had been doing this for years and had kept the peace and therefore kept his position because the Jewish people weren't revolting, so he kept his position of power. For me, it was growing church. Growing church. I listened to all the crowd. Not bad people. The crowd of who had big churches and big systems and how to get more people and how to make sure those people do what you need them to do so that church can get bigger. And there were victories after victories after victories. God asked me a while ago, did that come from the crowd or from the cross? And it's hard to say it came from the crowd when so much of what the crowd was telling you was bringing you a sense of significance and success and value and worth and it had friends faces attached to it and knew that there would be faces in this crowd that wouldn't like the new crowd but did it come from the crowd or the cross and it took me to a crucify moment inside of me maybe your crowd is Success in business or success in parenting or a success in being a, a, a better family member, whichever aunt or uncle or family member tells you you need to be different or your view on church or your view on your American rights and it's given you some seeming success in the past. Can I ask you a question? Does it come from the crowd or from the cross? The issue is that Pilate believed Jesus. He just didn't have faith in him. 
He had the living word right in front of him. He even had confirmation of other voices. Do you realize in Matthew 27, his wife sends him a message, don't mess with this man. I had a dream about him. Just leave him be. And yet, the crowd still went out. You can have God, you can have great worship. You can leave church service having a great message, knowing the word, having great worship, raising your hands, saying hallelujah. You can walk outside. Come on, somebody. You can have voices of confirmation saying God's with you. God's going to heal you. God's going to give you a breakthrough. I'm praying with you. I'm standing with you. And the moment the doctor's report shows up, the crowd wins out. The question is, my friends, how many times are we like Pilate? Have we had the word, believed the word, and then the voices of the crowd get too, too loud for us to have faith in the word? It's because our soul desires the benefits of the truth without the consequences of the cross. But Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. There's going to be a cross moment, and then there you can follow. Discipleship. Life, freedom, peace, wholeness, holiness leads through the cross of self. And the issue is that hopefully we can grab a hold of this morning is that the crowd in us always desires to release the wrong man. There's a crowd in us that's saying, release that choice, release that opinion, release that tradition, release that crowd-pleasing truth. Come on, release, oh, release Barabbas. Because it doesn't make sense. Can I, can we, like in the natural, you'd be like, Barabbas ain't raised nobody from the dead. He hasn't multiplied bread and loaves. He hasn't stilled the storm. He hasn't made the blind man see. But see, all of that goes away when what God hasn't done for you disappoints you. They were disappointed that the Messiah did not do for them what they thought he should do for them. So they said, at least Barabbas gives us a better option. The problem with the rebel is the rebel is the one that promises a victory but ends up locked up every time. How many of us have that voice inside of us? So, well, 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 do this and you'll feel better. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's got to be better then. I mean, I mean, this can't be as bad as. I mean, it's not hurting anyone else. And then you end up locked up in bad consequences and messed up relationships and brokenheartedness. Right? It's like the John 4, which we're talking about at fours and shoulder to shoulder, our, our discipleship groups this week. Right? The woman at the well. Oh, well, I know this man didn't work out. Try the next man. I know he didn't work out. Try the, ne the next man's got to be better than this man. How about the next man's got to be Oh, man, marriage doesn't even work. Forget the whole thing. Do it your way. Locked up, busted, broken, imprisoned. The reality is, my friends, that truth is a key that can either unlock our freedom or lock our prison door. It's the same key to the same door, but it depends on how you use it. So whatever truth we believe to be truth and activate as truth in our lives will act like the key to our life, either to empower freedom or imprisonment. Because all of us can fall into the trap and the trap is that revealed truth, left unchecked by saving truth, leaves us in the trap of our own sense of our own truth. In my truth, 
which might act like gravity when it's not subjected to a higher law. It just keeps bringing me down and down and down and down and down and down and down. But it's my truth, I know, but it's bringing me down because it's not subjected to a higher truth. It's bringing me down because our revealed truth, our understanding of ourselves and our experiences becomes our source of our sense of rejection, which is such a root of depression in our society. It's a source of pride. It's a source of Christian self-righteousness or the voice of shame and guilt that's inside of us. It limits our realities and our possibilities. It's the key that locks the door that imprisons our hearts, imprisons our feelings, imprisons our hopes because our understanding has not been challenged by a higher truth. It is real. It just hasn't been. So it locks us away. I am rejected. I should be ashamed of myself. I should be guilty. I'm all right. I'm better than them. I at least showed up for church today. Lock me away. You've heard me say, if you've come to church here for a while, that feelings are always real. They're just not always truth. And we see this all the time in the Word of God, right? In Judges 6, a very famous story of Gideon. God says, Gideon, you're going to be a hero. You're going to rescue your people. And Gideon says, you don't understand. My tribe is the least of all tribes. My family is the weakest of all the, uh, uh, of my tribe. And he said, his, tr- his truth became the truth that locked away his possibilities. Jonah God says to Jonah, I want you to take a word to the culture so that they can be changed. He says... His truth was that that culture would never accept God's truth, so he ran away from God. Matter of fact, he runs to Joppa, which actually means, uh, seems right to him, and he's on his way to Tarshish, which means she shall shatter. So what seemed right to him, come on, was going to lead him into shattering and in poverty, but it seemed what was good to him because he didn't believe that that culture would respond to God. How about Judas? Judas allowed guilt and shame to be the truth that convinced him to end his own life. All of this can be in us. All of it was true in the natural. Gideon's tribe was the least. Assyria was a harsh and cruel culture. Judas had done something shameful. But there is a higher truth. But there is, somebody has to say it, but there is a higher truth. Yes, You messed up. Higher truth. Yes, there's a culture that's cruel. Higher truth. Yes, you're right. You are least. You are unempowered. You are not capable. You are not talented enough. And you're just the kind of person God's looking for. There is a higher truth. The trap is that our soul loves clickbait. Right? Those sensationalized headlines, right? That, that we see and we click on, oh, i got to find that out, right? Our soul loves that. That's why our soul loves sermons about how we can get all the promises. Just talk to me about the promises. What can I get out of all? That's all I want to hear in church. Tell me the promises. I want to get what I can get, right? So that's, that's what we want it to be. Or on the other end, I know all church wants is, which gives us the permission not to follow any of it. Or maybe even the price is too high to own this truth which is a trap I wrestle with so often. I don't know about you, but I hate those clickbait headlines, right? Because then you read the whole story and it's actually nothing in the story that actually was on the clickbait, right? I, I saw one the other day. T- 
Tom and Zendaya's vicious split. I was like, oh no, not Spidey and MJ, right? This can't happen. They can't break up. This is horrible. So I read it, and in it, there was nothing about their breakup other than she got rid of her social media. No breakup notice. Tom still saying they're together. None of it was true, but if I did not, come on, read it. The clickbait would have told me something was true that wasn't true. Come on, this is exactly what the enemy does. He gets us to look at our sensationalized headlines of our failure, of our pain, of our shame. The clickbait on how the church, all one and a half billion people around the world, let us down. Come on, somebody, right? How no one in all the crowd is going to, everyone in the crowd is going to hate me. Everybody, everyone is going to hate me if I stand up for this truth the enemy does this because he knows we won't fact check it with the truth it's been a plan from the beginning this is why our knowledge and understanding must be submitted to a higher truth so that we can actually be set free by the truth i'm going to wrap up in a minute or two hold on joshua 1 8 says this how do we get set free we meditate on the word day and night We don't let it depart from our own understanding. Because when we meditate on the word, it changes us from the inside out. And we begin to see a prosperous and more successful way how to live life. It gives us wisdom, not just understanding. Joshua's whole culture, the whole generation that he grew up with, thought differently than he did. But Joshua laid at the tent of the door of meeting. He knew there was a higher truth because he was intimate with that truth. He settled in it. He rested in it. He was unmoved when others left it because he knew it. I love what Psalm 119.89 says, and I hope you get this written on your heart. It says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Done. Your word is settled in heaven. It's not just settled. Do you realize that that the root word of that Hebrew word means to stand up? That means the word of God stands up for us in heaven. It's the image that I get every time I read that of, T- of Stephen. Do you remember when he's getting stoned? And, and, and he looks up and he says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the throne of God. The crowd didn't believe him, but the truth stood up for him anyway. The crowd didn't believe him. The crowd stoned him. The crowd cheered against him. But truth stood in heaven. For a man who activated faith. Here is the liberating truth. If the truth does not take us to the cross, it will leave us in the hands of the crowd. Our revealed truth will become our final truth. And instead of turning the key to freedom, it will twist our truth into a prison. Come on, the crowd released the wrong embodiment of hope. Real hope, real truth went to the cross. And when he embraced it, yes, it caused Jesus pain. It made him feel alone. It took a toll on his relationships. It forced him to to face rejection and shame. But it killed what needed to be killed so what needed to be resurrected could be resurrected. My friends, this is why God wants the truth to bring us to a cross moment. Because there are things in us that need to be killed so that the other things of Jesus that need to be resurrected 
in us can be resurrected in us. We will never have a resurrected life, come on, without the pain of the cross. The reality, my friends, is the answer to Pilate's question was found in the one standing in front of him. That is why our conviction of what is truth cannot be determined by where it takes us to. Will it bless me? Will everyone be okay if I believe this? Will this enable me to keep the peace? But who it takes me to? John 8, 31, 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and my truth will set you free. Jesus was not talking about a concept, a theory, a belief system. He was talking about himself, a person, the higher truth. He is the key that unlocks not just our heaven in our future, but the heavenly truth into our past, into our present, and into our future. Here's the reality. Yes, there is a God of this world system. And this world system brings chaos into our life. It's true. But there's a higher truth. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace, the, 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 the Almighty God, the everlasting Father. There's a higher truth. Yes, we experience pain and hurt and brokenness in this life. It is a revealed truth, but there is a higher truth. It is that Jesus is a healer. He is the embodiment of Jehovah Rapha. By his stripes on the cross, we are healed. He binds up the brokenhearted. Come on, somebody. He turns mourning into dancing. He restores my soul. That is the higher truth. Yes, our culture will reject us and hate us and call us phobics and closed-minded. That will be the voice of the crowd. But the one who hung on the cross says, you are my beloved. You are accepted. You are holy. You are righteous. You are mine. You are my heir. Freedom is not free. It cost me and it will cost you. But in order to be, but, but when you are in me, then you are truly free. That is a higher truth. And yes, our failures will have a voice that reminds us to be filled with guilt and shame and self-loathing. And at times we will hate ourselves and be weary in this life and we'll want to run away from God with everything that is inside of us. And that is true too. But the higher truth says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. That sin and shame and death has been swallowed up in victory. That Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. There is a higher truth. The only question that you and I are left with today is what will be our truth? Will we listen to the crowd and stay captive to our revealed truth, tied to the wrong hope, crying out for our Barabbas, whatever that looks like, to rescue us? Or will we allow the truth of God to take us to the cross, allowing it to kill what needs to die so that what is of Jesus can be resurrected in us or not? The only way to answer that question what is truth is how you respond 
to Jesus as the truth. Jesus simply said this. My worshipers must worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm sure most of us or all of us in this room have good hearts, have good intentions, have good spirits behind why we want to live this thing out for God. But worshiping Jesus requires spirit and truth. Gravity will always pull you down unless you introduce it to a higher law. Jesus is the higher law. I don't know what's been keeping you down. I don't know what's been acting like gravity to you. I don't know what revealed truth the crowd has convinced you is the final truth over your life. But I'm going to pray. We're going to pray in just a moment. And that same Jesus we said yes to when we started this service, if you say yes to him now, he will bind up the brokenhearted. He will turn your mourning into dancing. He will be the restorer of your soul. You don't have to believe Kyle. I've seen people be healed and not healed. My experience means nothing. I've seen people speak in tongues and not speak in tongues. My experience means nothing. But the word of God says that he sits on the circle of the earth. The word of God says that he's the healer. The word of God says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God says he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and everything will bow to Jesus. The word of God says. I know what my revealed truth says. But today, it's time to kneel down and bring that to a higher truth. Let's pray. Why don't you take a moment before we pray? Why don't you pray? Just do some business with God really quick. I know there's things that were stirring inside of you during the sermon that, uh, that needed to change, that, that got stirred up. Come on. That was the crowd. That was tradition. That's hard to admit it because it has faces that you like attached to it or people you don't want to let down. There were pastors, man, I didn't want to let down when, when we changed this church, but it was either a crowd moment or a cross moment. Today is your crowd or cross moment with things in your life. Today's the day. Today's the moment. Come on, church. Say yes to Jesus right now. Say, shame, I'm bringing you back under the highest truth that says there's no condemnation in Jesus. Depression that comes from rejection, man, I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to bring it under the higher truth that says I am accepted. I am the beloved of God. I am a co-heir with Jesus. I can call my, my God daddy because he's opened the door for me. Maybe lack is yours. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'll always be in lack. Come on, bring it back to the higher truth. My God is a provider. My, my God is a provider. My God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. Jesus took five, uh, five loaves and two fish. Come on, and multiplied it beyond measure. He can do, if he did it for them, he can do it for you. Come on, that is the higher truth of who he is.
Father, you know, you know each and every person that's in this room, that's watching online, that's listening later on, and you know what's going on in our lives. You know what we've taken to the cross and allowed you to kill and resurrect, and you know the areas that are still following the voice of the crowd. We are asking for your forgiveness. We are repenting from those things. We are submitting them to the higher truth. Soul, heart, feelings, mind. We bind you to the truth and the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross that says by his stripes we are healed. Not just physically, but emotionally, intellectually, come on somebody, uh, uh, physically, in the, spiritually, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you bought wholeness and healing on the cross. We denounce the crowd, we embrace the cross. We denounce the crowd, we embrace the cross. Holy Spirit, come and do whatever you can, uh, what only you can do. Crucify what needs to be crucified and resurrect what needs to be resurrected. We give you permission because we know you have the power. We give you the glory already for answers, breakthroughs, and changes in us that are taking place now and will manifest not only in our future, but in the generations that come through us that are yet to come. We give you the glory and the honor and the power. Generational curses, you are broken in the name of Jesus. You shall not pass. You shall not pass in the name of Jesus. And together we say amen and amen. Amen. Does anyone receive that word today? Can you receive it inside of yourself today and say, God, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes! Well, thank you for letting me share that word with you today. I hope it resonates with you this week. Hope that you find the truth and the power of the truth in your life. Part of the power of truth that sets us free is that when we give, it shall be given back to us. That giving is an act of worship and celebration and so I'm going to ask you to celebrate with me. Pastor John's going to come and encourage us in our giving today. Can you give Pastor John a real quick hand? Oh, he's just going to, you're going to stand? You're going to sit? Oh, you're just sitting. I, oh, you're standing. There, there are people who can play something and talk at the same time. I'm counting in my head when I'm playing. So, oh boy. This is going to be an adventure, everyone. I, I can play and talk at the same time. Um, I get to encourage us in our giving this morning, and I guess it's this afternoon now, but I'm, I'm excited and thankful for the opportunity because I know how impactful the worship of giving is in my so own true. life. Um, so there's going to be a slide on the screen for the different ways to give. You can give scanning the QR code. You can drop, there's offering envelopes around the room. You can drop them in the two kiosks on the way out the door. Um, or you can log in through your CCB account. That's actually where that QR code takes you. And by the way, bonus info. That QR code, everything that you might need for church life is on that QR code. Yep. It's the same QR code for everything. So yep. if you scan it once, you scan it a thousand <laughs> times, and it takes you to every, every link that you might need. Um, 
But my, I have a seven-pound Yorkie, and she thinks she is 67 pounds. Yes. And she's adorable and awesome, and she has been sick over the last month or so. Um, it's amazing how much uh, fluid can come out of both ends of a seven-pound <laughs> Yorkie. And so she's on a special diet right now. We've been mixing. There's like a... It's all prescription, which is another way that they can get money from you for your dog because, you know, you would do anything for your, for your, your pets. And she has a, a wet food that we've been mixing in with the dry food. And yesterday morning, she came running down the stairs and went out and then came back inside. And she was so excited to start eating. And it was the food from yesterday was still in the bowl. But it's like a wet food that should be refrigerated. Mm. So I had to grab it real quick from her. And... She's very particular, so sometimes if there's too much, of, we mix the wet food with the kibble, and if there's too much of the kibble, this is important, I promise. <laughs> if there's too much of the kibble, she picks the kibble out and throws it on oh, the yeah. floor yeah. next to her bowl yes. so that she can have just the wet food that's there. Yeah. So I picked up the bowl, went to make her the new food, and I look in the living room, and she is eating the old kibble mm. off of the floor. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that is disgusting. And God said to me, how often do you do that in your own life? Yeah, it's true. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't ever do that. What, do you, what are you talking about, Lord? <laughs> Not I. Um, no, really, I was like, oh, oh boy, here we go. And he's, he, was, he said something to me. He said, so often you don't trust that I have more in store for you, that you hold on tightly yeah. to the old discards of previous meals. Wow. Yep. Good job. And I think that's one of the things that can keep us from the obedience in the worship and giving sometimes, is we're so afraid of where is the next amount coming from? Where is the next piece coming from? What does that look like? And the revealed truth is God cares about the sparrows. Yes. The revealed truth is God took care of the Israelites by sending daily manna to them. Yep. He does the exact same thing for each and every one of us, church. Truth. So as we're giving this morning, I just want to encourage us. Don't hold on to the things that he's asked us to sow. Don't hold on to those old dried up kibble because there is new food. Yes. It's sometimes it's just in preparation. Sometimes the old has to be cleared away for the new to come. So good, John. Um, good. Awesome. As you're finishing that up, I just want to encourage us with one more thing too. This is the start. This week is the start of our forged and shoulder to shoulder discipleship yes. groups. Um, I'm so excited. We're starting for the new year. Woo! want to mention two things about that. One, actually three, I'm sorry, I lied, it's three. Uh, one is we, the men and the women are going to be talking about the same videos uh, starting, this, starting this year, so I'm really excited about that. I'm looking forward to kind of getting to talk to my wife about what she's getting out of the videos as well in addition to the group. The other thing that I wanted to mention is if you were previously in a forged or shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder group and your schedule has changed, your life has adjusted, and it, that group doesn't fit your time frame anymore, Feel free to scan that code and sign up or, to, or shoot a text or a message to your, to your previous group leader. We would love to help you get connected. We recognize that yep. different seasons work, different things work in different seasons in life. Yep. And the third thing I want to say is this. My group is on Wednesday at 7.30. This is not a plug for my group. It's on Wednesday at 7.30. Do you know when I want to go to Forged Least? 7.30 Wednesday. Yeah, like 7.15, really. <laughs> it's like 7.15 on Wednesday. And I go with a phenomenal group of men. Yeah, that's true. And I am encouraged every single week when I walk out that door. But there's opposition sometimes yeah. because the enemy knows that God purposed us to live in community together. Yeah. 
So he is not happy when we're doing that. So those are going to be the times where we are most challenged to do that. But the revealed truth of God is we are created by community, in community, and for community. Yes. And this is part of how we get to live out that discipleship in following Christ, in knowing more of who he created each and every one of us to be, and how that fits into his grand plan for, for this area, for this world around us. So I want to encourage you, so good, John. push through those times, yeah. push through those moments, push through that discomfort, because there is blessing on the other side. And sometimes the blessing is I showed up. Yep. I was yep. faithful. I didn't necessarily get something this week. But there's always something that God is building inside of each and every one of us. And sometimes it, it, it's uncomfortable in the building. But on the other side of when you can look back and say, oh, wow, look at what God did each and every week, each and every time. And I'm so thankful that we get, get, to, get to do that together. So if everybody could stand with me, I just want yeah, to go ahead good, John. and really pray good. over us. Really or did good. you want to? No, no, okay. go. Praise I didn't know up, you baby. were still up here, so I wasn't no, sure. No, I was, were, I was going to. You I, were going to play for me? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I can play Chuck. No. <laughs> Never had I was, a piano I was lesson. thinking we were going Jingle Bells. <laughs> I was excited about that. Sunday, snowy Sunday. That's all I got, bro. That's all I got. <laughs> Go ahead, pray. <laughs> God, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your care for each and every one of us as men and women of God. Lord, help us to apply what you are speaking to us, what you are teaching us, what you are taking the time to thank impart you, to our senior pastors to speak into our lives. God, I pray for each and every man and woman present in this room, for each and every household that is represented. Lord, we ask Jesus. for your anointing on them. We ask for your anointing on their coming and going through the yes. doors of their homes, through the doors of their jobs, through the doors of their schools. Yes. We ask for your anointing on the places that they will go. Yes. We ask for your anointing and your words to speak for your kingdom, for your gospel, for your for your mission to go forward in the world around. God, I thank you that we get to be the light and the salt of the earth. Wherever we go, wherever our feet take us, that is a preordained moment by you. And God, we thank you for your revealed truth for our lives. Lord, yes. let's continue to lean into what that looks like. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.